Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community practicing the way of Jesus and thirsting for the life he gives. We've been looking at all the different tables that Jesus sits at in Luke's gospel over the last several weeks. And today we come to Luke chapter 14, where Jesus is invited to another dinner party. And as I mentioned a few weeks ago, Jesus had a reputation for attending lots of parties. So much so that the religious leaders of Jesus' day accused him of being a glutton and a drunkard because he loved to share meals with people. And the the story we're going to read today, there's three parts to this table story. Uh, The first part tells us what happens to Jesus on the way to this dinner party. The second part of this story is a parable that Jesus shares when he discovers the seating arrangements. He has something to say about the seating arrangements. And then the third part of this story is another parable that Jesus tells about a great banquet. And we're going to read one of these sections at a time. I'm going to invite Kate back up. She's going to read our first section from Luke chapter 14, verse 1 through 6. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, If one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. So a couple things of note in this opening part of of the story is it's the Sabbath, right? And Jesus is likely walking straight to this dinner party from the synagogue where he he had church that, that day. And some of the religious leaders who are also attending this dinner party are walking with him. And they're watching him closely, we're told. They're suspicious of Jesus. They're trying to discern if Jesus is a worthy invite or not. See, meals, back in Jesus' day, meals like this were a a way to promote and reinforce your position, your your social hierarchy. It was a way to to, uh, publicize your status. The reason people attended these dinner parties back in Jesus' day uh, was to enhance or preserve their position, their hierarchy in the community, their reputation. And, And these dinner invites, in a lot of ways, served as social currency. And this dinner that Jesus was invited to, we're told in Luke's gospel, was for the very elite. They were lawyers and Pharisees who were going to this. And, and we're, we're told that they're a little bit nervous about Jesus being invited. They're watching him closely. They're fearful about Jesus damaging their social status at this dinner party. And their worries are immediately confirmed. <laughs> Because Jesus hasn't even arrived to the dinner party yet, and he's already ruffling feathers. He's already uh, disturbing things. He's violating the social norms. We're we're told that on the way to this dinner, Jesus heals a man with dropsy or um, uh, swelling from retaining excess fluid. And, And his interaction with this person is actually jeopardizing the whole dinner party. Because in Jesus' day, if, if you engaged someone with a disease, you had to go through a, a purification process. You just couldn't show up to a party 
You had to go through this purification process, but because Jesus is Jesus, he engages the man anyway, and he heals him because he, he cares more about this person than he does this party that he's invited to. And it's not sitting well with his walking companions, these lawyers and Pharisees who are also on the way to this dinner. Um, and they're giving Jesus a little bit of a stink eye <laughs> because not only did Jesus violate one of the purity laws by engaging with this person, going into a public setting, he also violated one of their Sabbath laws because you weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath and Jesus did a, mir- a work of a miracle, right, in healing this person. They considered that work. And so they're kind of giving him a, a, a look and Jesus gets a whiff of their disdain and he challenges them. And he says, hey, if one of you had a, a, a kid or an ox fall in a well, would you, would you get him out on the Sabbath? And, and the lawyers and Pharisees don't engage him. They're just silent. They don't want to enter into the debate with Jesus, but their eyebrows are raised. They're probably thinking to themselves, why is he invited to this party? He's going to ruin everything. We can't even get to the party, and he's already ruining things. And one, one, one thing that comes to mind when I read this story is moments when I've been to places with people that I regretted. <laughs> I remember one time several years ago, um, Ian, who was up here just sharing announcements, and I and, and my friend Matt Lehman, we, we went to a, a, a special screening of a movie. It was at Majestic in Williston, and the movie was Cowboys and Aliens. Have you heard of that movie? It's a terrible movie, but, but it's exactly what it sounds like. Cowboys versus aliens. But the, the person who wrote that movie lives in Vermont. His name's Hank, or Hawk Otsby. And he was at the special screening. And the theater was packed, and he was actually sitting just two rows in back of us, like directly in back of us, not like down the way, directly behind us. We're like, wow, this is cool. You know, there's some good actors in this movie. Harrison Ford's in this movie. Um, Olivia Wilde, Daniel Craig are in this movie. This is going to be a good movie. And the screenwriter, the person who wrote it, sitting right behind us, this is going to be awesome. So we're watching the movie. And we're about two-thirds of the movie through, and there's this intense action scene, and there's this one part where a cowboy lassos an alien. And it's supposed to be action-packed. It's, supposed to, it's, it's not supposed to be a funny part, but my friend Ian, if you've ever heard Ian laugh, he has this loud cackle laugh. <laughs> and he just bursts out laughing in front of the, the whole theater. is like intense watching this action scene. The screenwriter who wrote it sitting right behind us, and he's cackling. Out loud, like really, really loud. And me and Matt are kind of like, why did we invite Ian? (laughs) He's essentially like mocking the screenwriter. He's sitting two rows. He wasn't mocking. He just thought it was funny. But we we made a note, never go to the movies ever. (laughs) But that's what these Pharisees, they're they're seeing Jesus like, why did we, why is he coming? And then we get to the second part of the story, and I'm going to invite Jen Ayers to come up and read this second section of the story for us. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a, man, or for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, 
so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to the host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a bank banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And so they're about to sit down to dinner. We're told, and once Jesus sees the seating arrangements, he has something to say. And he tells this parable. And it's more than just a, a, a cute story with a little advice attached on the end. Um, he's completely turning the tables on them in their self-seeking publicity. He, he proposes the scandalous alternative. Again, we have to remember that these types of dinner invitations in Jesus' time were all about preserving and enhancing one's status and one's reputation. So Jesus is essentially, through this parable, confronting everyone at the table by saying, hey, honor has to be given. You can't negotiate honor. In other words, you guys are all patting yourselves on the back and you're trading, exchanging social currency and, and negotiating honor. But you can't do that. Honor has to be given. It can't be taken. And he, he, go, he turns to the host and he says this, when you give a meal, don't just invite people who can, who can return the favor. See, Jesus is directly addressing this gift and obligation dynamic that's happening at this dinner. He's essentially saying, you're only providing, he's saying this to the host, but everyone else also kind of, he's saying it to. He's saying, you're only providing this meal because there are strings attached. This gesture obligates your guests to you. You invited the social elites because having them here is in your own best interest. You're expecting them to pay you back in some way. And the poor aren't here because they don't have anything to offer. They can't pay you back. Now, in fairness to the host of this meal, the poor wouldn't have even accepted an invitation to this dinner because they, they would be violating the social construct of the day, right? Um, because, in, in, again, in Jesus' time, if, if you accepted an invitation to a party like this, it was because you would somehow be able to return the favor. And so the poor wouldn't even accept this invitation because it would be a violation of, of the social construct. They would be unable to return the favor. So what Jesus is suggesting to, to the, his host and, and his dinner companions is completely unheard of, completely unrealistic, but it doesn't stop him. It doesn't stop him from his sermon. He continues by employing them, hey, when you have a meal, don't exploit one another's hospitality with a, a, a self-serving agenda to, to secure your own position or to insulate yourself from the needy. In fact, you should invite the needy. They should be your honored guests. And, and you should do it knowing that they could never repay you. Well, at this point in the dinner, it becomes so awkward. You've been to those dinners, right, where something's said, it's awkward, and, and somebody has to change the subject. And, and so one of the guests changes the subject by saying, hey, won't it all be great when we can dine together and eat bread in the kingdom of God? And it's essentially like saying, hey, what about this weather we're having? <laughs> but it's a little more spiritual because they wanted to 
be spiritual. And I'm going to have John Ayers come up and read this last section for us, verses 15 through 24. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had, who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just brought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. And so this dinner guest um, does not like the tension of the, the, the table conversation and tries to change the subject. He says, won't it be great when we all eat bread together in God's kingdom? He's essentially, he's saying, hey, we should put aside this talk, which is awkward, and, and put our differences aside and then just enjoy our privilege and our prestige and our power, go back to marketing and networking and patting each other on the back. That's what we should do. And then Jesus turns to that guest and he offers this parable. And there's a number of things that are happening in this parable. One, Jesus is again directly challenging their social construct and, and pointing out how the kingdom of God does not look like the way they're acting at this dinner table. Two, Jesus points out the triviality of their posture, how they're refusing to consider the invitation he's giving them about inviting in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And Jesus does this in a humorous way. Because in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, there's a list of excuses that, that the Jewish people could use for not going to battle. If, if they were to, to build a new house, or to get, get a, a field, or if they planted a vineyard, or if they were newly married. It, it, if any of these things were in their lives, they, they, they didn't have to go into that battle, because if they, if they died in the battle, they wouldn't be able to enjoy their vineyard, or their new house, or their marriage. And these people at this table, these religious leaders, they knew the book of Deuteronomy. And they would have known these excuses. And here Jesus is bringing them up in his parable. And, it's, and they knew that essentially it, it's a way that Jesus is poking fun at them. He's saying, look, like there are legitimate excuses for, for um, not engaging. But you don't have any of those excuses. Right? Because what Jesus is inviting them to isn't life-threatening. He's not inviting them to go to battle. He's just saying, hey, open up your home to people who can't pay you back. 
And they're coming up with excuse. They're just trying to ignore the situation. So Jesus reaches back to the book of Deuteronomy, pulls out these excuses, and says, these are legitimate excuses, but you guys are offering is not legitimate at all. And he's pointing out to them how trivial their posture is by not entertaining the prospect of kingdom hospitality. Now, a third thing is happening in this parable, which is really the foundation of this parable, and what's really important is he's showing these Jewish religious elites how they'd been invited by God to represent God and be on mission with God, but they had rejected that invitation because it didn't align with their own self-interest. And through this parable, Jesus is doing something remarkable. He's, he's pointing ahead to what he's going to make available to everyone through the cross and his resurrection. That through the work of the cross, Jesus is pointing ahead to this, that he's going to extend the invitation to God's table to everyone. And it's not a matter of, of status or reputation. In fact, no one will be, ever be able to earn a spot at his table. No one will ever be able to pay Jesus back for the invitation. It's an invitation of grace through faith, and it's open to anyone who, who's able to recognize their inability to pay back. And Jesus is trying to get them to imagine the scope of God's redemptive plan that it's so much bigger than, than what they're participating in. He, he, he's essentially saying to them, these religious leaders, you think God's table is only available to the religious elites like you. But God has something else in mind entirely, and he always has. That having a seat at God's table isn't something that can be earned or paid back. In fact, the only requirement to come to God's table is recognizing your inability to ever earn or pay it back, right? To have enough faith to receive his invitation of grace and trust in what he's already provided through the cross, through the resurrection. And, and, and that's exactly what Jesus is getting at in this parable. There's all these things happening, but he's really pointing ahead to the work he's about to do on the cross and his resurrection, saying, hey, the, the way you're doing this now, this is not what it's going to look like in the kingdom of God. There are going to people, be people in God's kingdom who, who don't deserve a place at this table, but they do at God's table because they can recognize their inability to ever earn, to ever reach a status, to ever pay it back. And, and they'll accept the invitation of, by grace, through faith, right? Can I make a confession before I, before I close my sermon? As I was preparing this, this sermon this week, and I was reading this parable that Jesus tells about a servant going into the streets, in the alleys, in the roads, in the country lanes, to, to invite the poor, the crippled, and the lame, I was pretty convicted. Because... If, if, if I'm honest with you, I, I wasn't really excited about knocking on doors in Barrie last weekend. I was excited to go maybe shovel some dirt, maybe help somebody clear stuff out of the house, but I was not super excited to, to knock on people's doors and, and, and have conversation with them because a, a bunch of reasons, but, but one, I don't know if you remember last Saturday, but it was one of the, one of the not raining beautiful Saturdays. <laughs> that we've had, and four of the last five Saturdays, I had obligations and stuff going on, so I couldn't fully enjoy those Saturdays, and I really just wanted a Saturday for myself. You know what I'm talking about? 
right? And especially when it's the fall season, it's beautiful out. I just wanted to like relax, sit on my porch. I enjoy outdoors, maybe go for a hike, spend some time with, some, with, with family and friends, do whatever I want to do, take a nap. I did not want to drive an hour each way to Barrie, <laughs> go to the, the, the worst hit section, which is also the poorest part of the city, and knock on people's doors. Um, I'm guessing that John, Kate, Braden, and Kristen, and Corey didn't either, but don't tell me if that's not true. <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> but when I say that that day resized me, I mean it in, in, in this way, that I felt like Jesus was with me when I was knocking on those doors and having those conversations in the streets and in the driveways with people. It, it was such a meaningful way to spend my Saturday. And, and all week as I was preparing this sermon, I couldn't help but tie that experience to this parable, right? How Jesus has, had extended me the same invitation he gave the Pharisees to resist the self-serving hospitality, to resist the self-serving Saturday in exchange for something better, to make room for people who, who would never pay me back for sacrificing that day and just being present and listening and asking questions and, and showing empathy. And, and just like the Pharisees, I didn't want what Jesus was serving. But I didn't have a good excuse. I, I'm not newly married. I didn't build a house. I haven't planted a vineyard. I have no oxen or fields. And it, and, and it also doesn't look good when the pastor like bails on a church service project. <laughs> and, and in fact, it, if I'm being honest, the main reason I showed up is because I signed up. <laughs> like held me accountable. Like, no, I signed up for this thing. I've, I've, I've got to go do this. But I'm so glad I went. Have you ever experienced that? Where you, you volunteered to step, you stepped into an invitation that Jesus made for you and you're like, I don't even really kind of want to do this today, but I, I, I need to because I signed up for it and I just need to show up. And then like God meets you there as really like a shaping, forming moment in your life, and it's a blessing because you were able to be a blessing to other people. Um, that's what I experienced. And, and I'll close this morning by asking you a question. I wonder what invitation Jesus is extending to you. And maybe there's an invitation he's extending to you or has extended to you, and, and, he, and he's inviting you into a place to, to do what this parable says, to go into the streets and and invite the poor, the crippled, lame, or maybe it's you're not, not somebody who's poor and crippled and lame physically, but maybe it's like emotionally or spiritually. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's somebody who just needs some good news or, or just needs you to be present and listen. Maybe you just need to pray for them. I wonder what invitations Jesus is inviting all of us into this week. Can I pray for us? I'm going to invite the worship team to come up too as I pray. Jesus, we thank you that, that there are times when, when you come into our lives and you're, you're, um, you're gentle, but you're also forceful. There's times when you sit down with us, maybe not at a physical table for a meal, but on a Sunday morning or a Monday morning when we're reading scripture or a Tuesday morning when we're going for a walk and, and you're, you, through your spirit you, you invite us into something something that sometimes feels uncomfortable or feels awkward or feels like, oh, I don't know if I have the bandwidth for that. Jesus, you lovingly challenge us 
because you know what you want to invite us into, that it's good, that it's right, that it opens up opportunities for the kingdom of God to be seen and shown and realized and experienced and felt. So Lord, um, forgive us for, for not accepting those invitations, for being like the Pharisees, make up excuses and go about our way of privilege and just our own good life and, and um, our own self-serving uh, goals. Lord, we're here this morning and we're just open to you challenging us in the loving way that you do. And Lord, whatever invitations you're extending to each one of us and us corporately as a church, Lord, would you give us the courage that we need to step into those spaces and be your hands and feet. And Lord, in the process, would you bless us and change us and transform us into the image of your son, Jesus? God, we thank you for being faithful to us. Even when we are not faithful to you, you remain faithful to us. And Lord, it's on that faithfulness that we stand, that we, we recognize it's not our own works and our own deeds that we earn a spot at your table, but it's what, through what you did, Jesus, on the cross. And we only need the faith to receive it, that invitation, to recognize that we could never pay you back, that we could never earn our spot, that you give it to us freely. And so Lord, we sit at your table and we want to taste and see your goodness and we want to share that goodness with others. Help us to do so. We ask all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You're listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at www.wellchurchvt.com.